Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your co-hosts. You can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at Hokiesmash underscore ASD. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as we get a word from our sponsor. Thank you, Jeff. Welcome back to This Week in the ACC. This is the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States. This podcast is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia at 301 South Main Street, Suite 107, Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. You can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at at Main Street Farm. That's at M-A-I-N-S-T-R-E-E-T-P-H-A-R. This week. We lost you there for a minute, Matthew. Are you back? Uh, yeah, just to go where Matt Matthew left off, the podcast is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia, 301 South Main Street. One I'm, I'm uh, here. In Blacksburg. I'm here, Jeff. Oh. I'm here. I think you. I think you. I think you muted me, Jeff. <laughs> I saw that come up on my screen. Um, I think it came up temporarily. It said I was temporarily muted muted by the host. Uh, The podcast is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia, 301 South Main Street, Suite 107, Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. You can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at at Main Street Farm. That's at M-A-I-N-S-T-R-E-E-T-P-H-A-R-M. And we have a special return guest on the podcast this week, and John Kerry. John attended Florida State for undergrad, but he transferred to the University of Akron as a sophomore before returning to Florida State for law school. He currently works as an attorney in Jacksonville, Florida. You can follow John on Twitter at, at CFB What Not to Wear. That's at CFB What Not, and then the number two W E A R at CFB Not What Not What to Wear. And John is sort of a, I guess you could say, a college football uniform connoisseur. We've te- we followed his takes over the years for that, and that those 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 have been fun. And like I said, John's been a great supporter of our work at AllSportsDiscussion.com, and he has he's been really been participating with in several years in several forums, whether it's blogger questions, whether it's being a guest on a podcast, whether it's being on a panel on a podcast, whether it's being on a panel on a blog post, he's been with us for a lot of the ride and we really appreciate his support. He is here tonight to preview 2022 Florida State football with Jeff and I and we're happy to have John, we're happy to have John back. So, John, welcome back to the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast and before we start, just tell us about yourself. The floor is yours, John. Welcome back. Hey guys, how are you all doing? Awesome. Doing great. <laughs> all right, so I'm uh, calling in from beautiful Leadville, Colorado tonight. Um, we have uh, we had our camping trip. Uh, we try to go camping with the kids every year, somewhere different. We braved the high gas prices and um, towed it out from Florida to Colorado and uh, just arrived in Leadville this evening. So 
Um, glad to be on though, and I'm excited to be able to do this uh, once again. We've been doing this a number of years, obviously, and it's um, you know something I always really enjoy. So uh, thanks for having me on again. We're happy to have you back. We're happy to have you back. And we, we seem to have done this with the last few, with the, you know, just with really with the last few guests that we've had on here. And we usually get just a quick take on the 2021-2022 men's basketball season for the guests that we have on. And we, we just want to get your quick thoughts on FSU's 2021-2022 men's basketball season and just your brief take on, on a look at the future here for next year. The floor is yours, Sean. Yeah, not a great year for Florida State. Obviously, it's a, a bit disappointing. Um, our expectations in, in the basketball realm have increased quite a bit over the past few years. Um, and so, you know, last year's uh, team was not very good. Uh, you know, I think it's a blip on the radar. We got a lot of really good talent coming in. Um, and uh, I think it should be a lot better next year. But obviously, I think there's going to be a lot of improvement all around the conference next year. So it may be tougher for Florida State to, uh, uh, you know, to really show how much better they are if if the mean team in the ACC is as good as I think they're going to be next year. Very good, very good. Let's get to let's get to college football here. And right, and I'm going to turn the show over here to Jeff. Jeff, the floor is yours, buddy. All right, thanks, Matthew. Um, John, what are some of the major strengths coming back next year for Florida State? Well, you know, in the recent years, it's gotten a lot harder to answer that question, hasn't it? I mean, every team is adding players from the portal, losing players from the portal. Um, you know, it's been because of COVID a little harder to really get a handle on uh, what the top uh, high school players can do, um, you know, when they're coming in. And so, it used to be you could look at position groups and say, you know, how were the backups last year? Who did we lose? Who did we keep? Now it seems like every position group's just losing players left and right, but also bringing a bunch in. So um, the, the bottom line for Florida State is most of the team from last year will be back, uh, you know, which is a double-edged sword because, number one, you're returning a lot of experience, um, but you know, that was a team that obviously went five and seven and didn't make a bowl game. And so, uh, you know, you'd like to hope that they're going to be some improvement across the board with another year in the system. And, and I think in general, uh, you know, it's, we're optimistic things gonna, are going to improve. But, uh, you know, I've been saying that for a few years now and, and so far haven't really gotten over that mountaintop. So we'll see. All right, let's go to the flip side now, John. What are some of the major weaknesses uh, for the Seminoles coming back? In other words, what do you think the Noles will be working on before that first game? Well, a big one last year was wide receiver, and um, it just didn't have a whole lot of production or talent at the wide receiver position. So Coach Norvell went out and grabbed a few um, receivers on the transfer portal. They got Johnny Wilson, a six-seven uh, receiver out of Arizona State. Uh, the biggest difference maker probably will be Micah Pittman out of Oregon. Um, you know, who's a burner and um, showed some really good promise uh, for Oregon. And then Winston Wright Jr. out of West Virginia. Um, so they added 
a bunch of receivers with experience and and hopefully those guys can come in and and really click right away with uh, Jordan Travis and and show us that the receiver position will be better this year than it has been over the past couple of years because uh, man we really need it especially with Travis uh, you know really improving as a thrower last year but because we didn't get a, a lot of great production out of receiver you know he wasn't really able to uh, maximize his uh, talent. All right. Um, John, who are some of the new recruits and transfer portal players that um, you are impressed with the most? And, and do you think any will get major playing time right away? Yeah, I mean, Javon Curse was the big get for Florida State this offseason. He actually played at Albany, uh, which is an FBS school. Um, but you know, he, he showed loads of talent and promise in the spring game. Um, really excited to see him uh, play on the, the defensive line for Florida State because um, that's an area that we did lose quite a bit of talent with uh, Kier and uh, Johnson. Uh, Johnson got drafted in the first round of the NFL draft, and Kier Thomas was, uh, you know, another really talented player. So we really need somebody who can come in and, and play right away and, and get that kind of production. And Verse is really the guy that a lot of teams coveted out of the transfer portal. Um, we got him, so hopefully, you know, that'll work out really well for us. Um, and then those receivers I mentioned, uh, you know, those are the other ones because Florida State really didn't have a lot of great production at the wide receiver position last year. You're getting three guys from major conference teams um, who have, uh, you know, shown that they can play ball. Uh, so, you know, those are the major areas where Florida State really went into the transfer portal and hopefully improved the team. All right, John, do you think Florida State will be better than last year and why or why not? And then we'll play what we call win game, lose game, where we'll go through the Florida State schedule and get your really quick thoughts on each game. Yeah, I, I do think they'll be better. But again, you know, I've been saying that for a couple of years and um, it's been a pretty disappointing couple of years. So, uh, but, you know, they were five and seven last year. They're bringing just about everybody back. Um, so, you know, there, there shouldn't be any reason that Florida State should step back this year. Um, it should only be a step forward. Now, what does that mean? You know, hopefully it means out of bare minimum bowl eligibility because it's been a couple of years since we've been able to, to do that. Um, and then uh, and then it also hopefully can mean being at least competitive in the ACC because, uh, you know, it's been a little while since we have been in that position. So, um so, yeah, let's go through the schedule and see how we think it'll shake out. All right. You start the schedule with the uh, Duquesne Dukes on August 27th. Yeah, and that's obviously a warm-up game that Florida State should win. Um, until last year, Florida State had never lost to an FBS team or an FCS team, excuse me. Um, but the, then there was that infamous game against Jacksonville State with the last second blown coverage and – uh, Jacksonville State scored on the last play of the game to beat FSU. So, you know, you can never count your chickens before they hatch, I guess. But that had better be a win. If, if that game's not a win, then, you know, let's just shut it down and, and move on. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. After that game, you go on, uh, well, it's supposed to be a neutral side game, but this won't really be uh, against LSU playing in the Superdome in New Orleans. That's that's a huge game for two you know, 
you know, powerhouse programs trying to, to get back on, on solid footing. Yeah, and LSU is obviously a team with a lot of talent. Last year, they really, um, you know, didn't look good at all and ended up getting their coach fired after just, you know, what, two years after a national championship. So they brought in Brian Kelly out of Notre Dame, and, um, you know, that game should be a lot of fun. Candidly, you know, I I think LSU is probably just too talented, and you've got – it's essentially a home game. I mean, guys, it's at New Orleans um, in the Superdome. Uh, They scheduled this series as a semi-home-and-home, semi-neutral site uh, series in the sense that instead of going to Baton Rouge and then Tallahassee, they decided to have the games in New Orleans and then Orlando. I'd really – much rather those games were on campus. If that game was in Baton Rouge, I'd probably move heaven and earth to to get there to see the game in person. But, you know, I've been to see Florida State in the Sugar Bowl. I don't need to go back to the uh, Superdome again. Um, so, you know, hopefully we can do more on-campus home-and-homes in the future. Um, but regardless, it should be a fun game. I think um, we probably end up losing that one. If we can win that one, I will be absolutely elated, and hopefully that would be a, a sign of a really promising season. All right. Then after LSU, you have a bye week, and then you go on the road, you play at Louisville. Yeah, Louisville's a tough team for me to get a handle on how they're going to be this year. I don't know if you guys think you have a pretty good sense of it, but uh, they are um, you know, a team that's been pretty darn good for – a while and then they've taken a step back much like FSU has and so um, it's at Louisville I'm going to give the home team the edge on that one and and say they probably uh, defend their home uh, field but uh, so I've got us starting out at one and two all right Uh, then you come back home and you host Boston College yeah and Boston College is always one of those teams that you know they're they're probably not as talented as Florida State is across the board, but they're always really well coached. And, um, you know, they're a team that is going to give you a good game. Um, So, uh, but Florida State's at home for this one. Uh, I I think we're going to even it up at two and two. Um, I I don't think Boston College can take us at home. And so uh, that's a game that we really need to have if we're going to think about bowl eligibility and, and improving this year. All right. Uh, now you get the start of a really tough three-game stretch, um, which you know may or this this could kind of uh, decide how the season's going to go. And you start out with Wake Forest at home on October first. Yeah, and that's the game that you look at and say if, if Florida State's going to be bowl eligible, they probably have to have that one um, because uh, Wake Forest is a game. It, team that beat us last year it was a complete debacle uh, but that was in Winston-Salem this is in Tallahassee and I I think the Florida State's gonna be able to bounce back from the loss last year um, you know right the ship and beat them and uh, hopefully that puts us at three and two at this point all right then after Wake Forest you go on the road and you play at um, what should be a very good NC State team yeah, and I think North Carolina State's going to be probably uh, too tough for us at home. Um, you know, that's always a place that Florida State has struggled at in recent years. And, and um, you know, NC State's really good in Raleigh. Their fans are, you know, probably the third 
one of the top three, we'll just say it like that, probably one of the top three home crowds in the ACC. You know, they get really riled up when the team's good. I think they should be a pretty good team uh, next year. And uh, so I think North Carolina State's probably going to take us down at home. All right. Then you uh, return back to Dope Campbell and host of the Clemson Tigers. Now, this is an interesting one. Because um, Clemson was a big disappointment last year by their standards, um, but they barely beat Florida State at home. Florida State could have and maybe should have won that one. Um, uh, you know, the, Clemson had a big fourth quarter where they came back and ended up um, scoring late and winning it. Uh, but DJ, uh, you, I, I'm going to say his name wrong. You, you we Angalale. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I've he, he practiced that quite a few times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's been, I think, a bit disappointing. Um, you know, he was supposed to be the next guy to come in, uh, taking the mantle from, you know, Deshaun Watson and then Trevor Lawrence, you know, the next big five-star quarterback recruit at Clemson. And, um, you know, he got his first taste of action in that Notre Dame game where they ended up losing. Um, but, you know, that was a tough game and a really good Notre Dame team. And for, and Clemson ended up winning the rest of their games uh, with Trem- uh, Trevor Lawrence that year uh, until the playoff. But last year, he just didn't look like an elite quarterback. And I know, you know, Clemson's been recruiting really well. They've got uh, another elite freshman coming in. Um, I doubt he'll be able to step in and, and dethrone DJ. Um, and, and so if DJ doesn't really improve from last year, Florida State's got a chance of winning this one at home. Uh, and I've got – I'm really – tempted to pick Florida State to win this game um, on the assumption that that DJ just isn't it. You know, he's not that guy. I, and I, I, I hope for his sake and for Clemson's sake, I'm wrong about that. But he, he just hasn't looked the part. And if he's not, I'm going to say Florida State's going to end up winning that game at home. All right. Up, upset there. Um, so uh, off of that, Clemson victory, you go into a bye week, uh, and then you come back and, uh, you know, host, uh, you know, Jeff Collins and Georgia Tech and what could be his last season in Atlanta. Yeah, and that's a team that uh, – We kind of uh, lost you there. Lost you there for a bit, John. I don't think you're still kind of coming in. uh, Kind of losing you a little bit here. Uh oh. Uh oh. Hopefully, I got a good connection here in Leadville. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> go back to go back to what Jeff's question on uh, on uh, on Georgia Georgia Tech. Uh, Jeff, you want to frame that question again? Yeah, yeah. Just go ahead and, and start from the beginning on your thoughts on the Georgia Tech game, John. Yeah, so Georgia Tech uh, again is a team that hasn't been trending real well in recent years. Um, they they just haven't gotten much talent, you know, and their their fall has coincided with Georgia's rise. Uh, and Georgia's just uh, Georgia Tech isn't 
even competitive on the recruiting trail lately. And so that's a team that Florida State's going to beat and they have to beat if they're going to, you know, have an improved season. So I'm going to pick a win there at home. All right. Uh, Then you go on the road to play at Miami. Yeah. So this is another interesting one. Florida State beat Miami last year at home. Um, Miami is a team that I think has been trending in the right direction under Mario Cristobal and they're going to be at home this time, but home field advantage hasn't been a huge advantage historically for Miami or Florida state, Florida state's really done well down there um, in ever since they moved to hard rock, as opposed to uh, back in the orange bowl days. And uh, I'm going to say Florida state's going to beat Miami again. This is a team that, um, I think is going to be improved, but so is Florida state should be a good battle. And um, I'm going to pick out Florida state to win a squeaker there. All right. Uh, Then you go on the road and you play at Syracuse. So Syracuse is another team that has not looked good recently. I really had a lot of high hopes for Syracuse under Dino Babers. Um, you know, when he first started, he was doing some really good things there, but it, that just hasn't been going their way in recent years. They just don't have the talent to beat a Florida State uh, team, even though Florida State's not exactly the talent. Okay. Um, then you come back and uh, you host the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns. Yeah, that's actually a tricky one because, you know, as you know, um, they've had a really good uh, program over the last few years. Billy Napier uh, obviously built them into a very successful uh, Sunbelt team. And Florida, the Florida Gators went and stole Billy Napier away after LSU passed on them. It may have been a mistake to pass on him in favor of Brian Kelly. I mean, I don't think you can, you know, ignore Brian Kelly if he, if he wants to come there. Um, but, you know, Napier is a little younger, more up and coming. Maybe that would have been a really good hire for LSU. Uh, they passed on him, Florida got him. And uh, so the question is, without Napier there and with the new coaching staff, how good are they going to be? Because they're going to have a pretty talented team because they've had a talented roster the past few years if you've um, watched any of their Fun Belt games. Um and this is a tricky game, guys. I, I don't think Florida State's going to lose it. I'm going to pick them to win it. But they better come with their A game because this is a team that if if the Florida State doesn't have their their the right stuff, they're not just going to waltz away with a win over a, a Louisiana team that's really been pretty good over the past few years. All right. Uh, and then you finish the season on a Friday uh, against your arch rival, in-state rival, the Florida Gators. Yeah, and, and Florida's a team that beat Florida State last year, but it was a close game. It was a one-score game. Um, Florida State could have won it if some breaks would have gone a little differently. Um, you know, not to say they outplayed Florida necessarily, but they were competitive, and, and that could have been a game that went either way. And this year it's flipping, and it's going to be at home. And uh, – if, if they've got a really good shot at beating Florida this year, I think it's going to be Napier's first year. Um, and you know, he's going to be bringing a completely different system. Will he be able to immediately have some success on the field? And if 
know, maybe this is the game that, that Florida will wins handily. Um, but I am going to pick Florida State to beat Florida at home this year. That's a bit audacious. Um, I, believe me, if, if Florida, Florida ends up winning that game, I won't be the least bit surprised. But I'm going to go ahead and pick Florida State to win. All right. Got a year where Florida State knocks off Clemson and Florida. Um, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you for the last couple questions in the podcast. Uh, I'd also add to that, Jeff, Miami. I think that Florida State fans. That's right. I think Florida State fans would probably be pretty happy with that, with that, with that group of wins there. So, John, if, if, if give us the pulse right now on Florida State on the Florida State football program, like what's FSU Twitter thinking? The bloggers, the fans. I mean, is this? I mean, would you say, John, that this is kind of a show me year for the the coaching staff at Florida State? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've we're past the time now where. Uh, the, we're, there's a honeymoon, you know, we're beyond the honeymoon at this point. We've had two straight years, um, under Norvell of no bowl game and two straight years of looking decent and looking, heading in the right direction, but then just having uh, some losses that, you know, you really can't explain or, or, um, or justify. And I think the, the pulse of the Florida state blogosphere and fan base is that some, I think doubts are creeping in about Norvell and whether he's the guy long-term and Norvell really needs to have a good year to, 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 I think win over the fan base at this point. Um, now, you know, I picked all three to win. I don't act back the sweep of Miami, Clemson and Florida, but if if Norvell can pull that off, you know, and that's obviously going to be a really good season and he's going to have the fan base in his hands at that point. You know, if, if there's another year where Florida State's struggling to hit 500, um, you know, it's going to be tough for him. It, and Florida State is one of those schools that really isn't, I don't think, well suited for the NIL game and the changes that are coming to college football under that the Florida state's never had the, you know, deep money, deep pocketed uh, fan base booster base where they can just, you know, call up a few guys. And now we've got a hundred million dollars for whatever the coach needs, you know, like places like Texas A&M can do or Alabama uh, Florida state's never had that and has always been able to be competitive and built a nationally, um, powerful program but if if we're now starting to look at a situation where florida's got to start to come up with 20 million dollars a year for a roster to be competitive i'm just not sure we're going to be able to do that so you know it's a tough situation for the seminoles um and, and you know so i think there's a little bit of doubt creeping in from the fan base but obviously that can be really turned around with a really good year and, and so um, you know, Norvell does need to bring it. He's actually in an interesting position where, uh, because Florida State's still paying the buyout for Willie Taggart, they can't really afford to fire Norvell, even if the team does tank. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think he's necessarily on the hot seat as far as risking getting fired, but he's definitely on the hot seat as far as losing the fans and the boosters if, if he doesn't put together a pretty good year this year. That's a very good take, John. That's a very good take. And now, John, we go to your favorite part of the show. 
I mean, I, I, well, I don't know if it's your favorite, but I always say it's everybody's <laughs> favorite. Uh, the open microphone say, segment. What do you got for us, Sean? The floor is yours. All right. So the Supreme Court a couple of years ago threw the college football world a huge, whether it's a bone or a poison pill, however you want to look at it, uh, by striking down essentially the amateurism rules and creating this NIL landscape. And name and image and likeness in theory sounds great. I've always thought it made sense that players should be able to capitalize on their name and image or likeness, right? If if a local car dealership wants to pay Trevor Lawrence to put a commercial on, why shouldn't he be able to do that? Or, you know, uh, if, if, if a uh, local restaurant, you, you know, like we have that commercial, I don't know if you guys remember it, when the uh, Kansas player made a huge play against Texas and, and um, you know, he was kind of a nobody player and Applebee's brought him in for a commercial, um, you know, that kind of stuff's awesome, right? But obviously NIL has become something else entirely, and it's not really about name and image and likeness anymore. Um, we've basically got free agency for college football between the transfer rules that allow anybody to transfer um, at any time, essentially, and the open market that's been created by the NIL um, where boosters are basically coming in and paying players, you know, I, and that's that's what it is. It really doesn't have anything to do with you know, being able to market themselves or, uh, you know, make commercials for local businesses, it's become a free market where the boosters that want to pony up the money can buy the top recruiting classes. And we have absolutely seen that with Texas A&M, the way they've come in and, and put down so much money to get what's at this time ranking recruiting class ever. Not just for Texas A&M, for, but for anybody, if that if they can hold that class together. And it does to be able to compete with that, uh, with that situation. And, you know, obviously the one that jumps out at you is if anyone can do it, it's Clemson. Um, but... <laughs> the ACC is really in a dangerous place. And unless the regulate things like tampering, uh, buying recruits, buying transfer players, if the NCAA can't regulate it, you know, what is the future for the ACC? I don't, it, it doesn't feel real positive right now, does it? I, that's actually a, an incredibly, really good summary, John. I mean, and, and I, I didn't mean to say actually. I mean, what I meant to say is that that's a very good summary, and I agree. I agree with you. And Jeff's talked about this a number of times on the on the podcast. I mean, I I, I didn't. I mean, I'm going to probably sound like I've lived in Washington for too long, but and sound a little bit of sarcastic, a little bit sarcastic here, but I. I also didn't think that the I didn't have a lot of confidence that the NCA would be able to regulate that very well. Do I sound sarcastic and that I've lived here too long? John, <laughs> I think it's realistic. Honestly, you know, we've got to be realists here, and the ACC in general and and the individual programs obviously have to be able to figure out how we're going to compete in this landscape when most of the schools don't have the big money, big booster base the top sec and and big 10 schools have 
you know, and, and we've got to figure it out quick or else we're going to risk, uh, you know, becoming a kind of a relevant conference in the overall landscape of college football. And that would be really unfortunate. Outstanding summary, John. Jeff, I know you have a lot to say about college baseball because you have been the expert throughout this, throughout the spring sports season. So I, I would love to, I would love to hear you talk about the kind of the close to close to ACC sports season, which hasn't really closed yet. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, you know, with, with nine teams in the tournament, I would say it was a, was it was a slightly disappointing uh, college baseball tournament so far for the ACC uh, this this week in, in Super Regionals. Um, Louisville, uh, you know, they fought down at College Station but lost a couple close games. Uh, North Carolina uh, did not play well uh, this weekend uh, against Arkansas, lost in the ninth inning today. Uh, Virginia Tech uh, ran into a red-hot Oklahoma team. Uh, and, and lost that series two to one. Uh, Oklahoma, you know, is playing some of the best baseball in the country at the moment. Just got hot at the right time. Uh, but the good news is the ACC will still be represented in Omaha because Notre Dame shocked the baseball world today and knocked off, you know, the consensus number one team in the country, Tennessee, uh, 7-3. They actually were trailing late in that game. Um and hit a couple of home runs to take the lead. And I mean, that really sent shock waves uh, through the entire sport. And now the eight teams, the, the field is still being filled out, but the eight teams that make it to Omaha, it's going to be absolutely wide open. And Notre Dame, you know, is right there in the mix too with their pitching. Uh, I mean, they have an opportunity to win the national championship. And I know Florida state fans are, are watching Notre Dame very closely hoping that uh, Link Jarrett will return back to the Seminoles uh, after they let go of Mike Martin Jr. Yeah, that there's obviously a huge fan base upswell of, hey, if, if you're going to fire Mike Martin Jr. after a couple of years, and, and frankly, there were a couple of not great years, I, I don't begrudge them for firing him, but man, you better be able to bring him in, um, you know, that Notre Dame ha- uh, manager, because uh, you know, he's got obviously deep ties to Florida State, and he's really shown his medal at Notre Dame and created a really good baseball program there. Uh, and, and you're right, I thought t- Tennessee would be far and away the best team in the country. They just dominated the SEC um, throughout the season. And for Notre Dame to go down into Knoxville and win two out of three, you know, what an impressive showing. And so you're absolutely right. Florida State's fans are going to be very disappointed um, if he doesn't end up coming to Florida State after the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, John, I'm going to close this podcast with a topic near and dear to our hearts, and that's the Stanley Cup. Boy, I was wrong about I was wrong, wrong, wrong about Edmonton and Colorado. I thought that would be just an amazing hockey series. I thought we'd be see at least six games, if not seven. And Colorado came in there and destroyed Edmonton. Absolutely destroyed well, they're, them. They're a buzzsaw right now. Oh my gosh. I mean, and it doesn't tell me very it, it tells me at least. If you're a student of history, right? If you look at hockey over several years, I don't see Connor McDavid staying in Edmonton. He's going to leave, right? 
he's going to get out of there. Yeah, it, and it's think? crazy. How is it that, that the Canadian teams have had such a long stretch of futility with the way that country loves hockey, but they can't keep their best players, their best coaches? You know, it, it's really a shame. I mean, I, I'm bad for them. Because he's you're right, the, I, I don't think they're going to be competitive. Right. He's the best player in the world right now. Connor McDavid's the best player in the world. At least that's what I think. And I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to stay there. I think he's going to be just like Wayne Gretzky and he's going to exit. (laughs) Right. I I I think you're probably right. I got to think that's (laughs) the case because he can make, well, first of all, he can probably make a lot more money in say LA or New York, right? Some, some big, some big market will pay him a lot of money to come there. And I, I agree with you. I mean, I would love, I would, I wouldn't mind seeing Toronto, uh, Toronto, for example, in the Stanley Cup Finals or Edmonton. It would be wonderful to see that one year because of how much they love hockey up there. But I, I just had to t- call my my own futility out here, and I, I do that as Jeff says, and as Jeff will tell you, I will tell people when I'm horrifically wrong, and. I was horrifically wrong on that because I actually thought I'd see one of the best, best series in in hot in hockey. And I really thought that, you know, and I thought the winner of that would go on to win the Stanley cup. And I actually still think the winner of the, of the West will win the Stanley cup. But I'm, I, but after that, after that, that futile prediction, um, I, I don't know. I, I may not blog about hockey <laughs> on the site anymore publicly. So, John, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. We we loved having you come on the podcast, and we'd love to have you come back on the podcast again, again sometime, and have a good time camping with your family. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate you and all you do. All right. Have a great week, guys. Thanks so much. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.